0: Yes, report. The CV report. Give us one word to describe what you're going through right now. Sucky. <laughs> yeah. I know it's just a Nissan Frontier, but in my mind, this thing's an M1 Abrams tank. That's the dumbest thing I've heard all day. Like, if we're going to start getting angry now, it's it's a little late. Is live in D.C. with the update on all of this. Good morning. Maybe. I guess not. The C.V. Report. Welcome to The C.V. Report. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. And today we're going to talk about the Navy SEAL, who was recently found not guilty of murder. Navy SEAL Chief Eddie Gallagher was charged with premeditated murder over an alleged stabbing of a wounded ISIS fighter in Mosul and the attempted premeditated murder over alleged unlawful sniper shots that he took at an old man and a young woman. He was also charged with wrongfully posing for an unofficial photo with the dead terrorist's body. The trial featured combat vets and Navy SEALs all on the stand, and some were testifying for the prosecution while others testified for the defense. And what we will hear today is that oftentimes the testimony a witness gave but actually, help the opposing side.
1: We hear stories from inside the courtroom. Somebody fire this fing judge.
0: And we'll learn it was unlike anything we've ever heard.
1: I had this picture in my head of, of like seals gone wild, <laughs> like like a video, right. like a video you'd sell on late night television.
0: All right, our next guest in the podcast, I had the pleasure of meeting last year when we talked about this very same subject. And I have to say, uh, your Twitter feed is like, uh, it should be a show. And I'm talking to Mr. Paul Zoldra, Editor-in-Chief of Task and Purpose. Paul, how are you?
1: Hey, I'm good. Thanks again for having me on.
0: Yeah, man. I come to you and I turn to you when I want to be enlightened a little bit. You've covered a lot of things that I, I don't know about. You sat through quite a lot of courtroom dramas over the last couple of weeks, didn't you?
1: Uh, yes, I did. I'm, um, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm very glad it's all over.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was complicated, and to show just how complicated it was, um, I'm going to rewind for just one second. I want to play the intro of our last podcast we did together, which was titled "What Is Justice?" The Navy SEAL accused of murder.
1: Depending on your view of the military and how it operates in war, will certainly guide you as far as how you see this case. Uh, he's alleged to have stabbed an ISIS fighter uh, while other seals were giving this fighter a medical treatment. I don't know a single combat veteran that wouldn't eliminate that threat from the battle space. It shows holding the head up and in the other hand, holding his knife almost like, like a like a deer hunter would hold up a, a deer by its antlers. The SEALs that are speaking out against him had conspired to come up with this story because they didn't like his leadership. Yo, if you have one piece of paper, you're a hero. If you don't have that piece of paper, you're a murderer. It's clear that it's not really a clear-cut case.
0: And that final soundbite is why I knew we had to come back and talk to you again about the Gallagher trial, because it's clear that it's not a clear-cut case. Talk to me about what you observed over the first few days of this trial.
1: Sure. So the the start, the first witness they brought up um, was actually very good. Uh, he testified very well. He was very seemed very credible. Um, his name was Dylan DeLay, and he, he's, he appeared in the suit. He's a former SEAL, uh, was with Gallagher in Mosul, uh, and he was a sniper. And he basically testified to uh, some sniper shoots, some sniper shots that Gallagher allegedly took at noncombatants and some other parts of, of the government's case. Um, he sort of set the stage, and, and that day I was thinking, okay, the government sort of has, they've got something here. You know, we're we're actually seeing some some credible witnesses. But the next day um, was sort of what everyone was was waiting for, and that was that was Craig Miller. Um, Craig Miller is now a chief, and he's basically the the main witness. Like he was the base. Of this case, he's the he's the one who said he saw the stabbing. Uh, he he was allegedly threatened by Gallagher afterwards to not report, and he is is sort of the leader of the group of seals who came forward and and uh, brought the allegations together. So he was probably one of the most important witnesses for the government in the case. And he my, and again, this is uh, I'm, I'm sort of going off of my own. I'm there as a reporter, and i'm I'm writing down the words and I'm quoting Miller as what he says on the stand, but I'm also just a just a guy just taking in what he says and how he says it and how he uh, seems to to be, and if I feel like he's a credible person. And all those things kind of come into play. You know, he said a number of things, um, but his testimony was a bit—it uh, it was a little hard to keep with. I imagine that the the jury was wondering, is this guy credible or not? Because there are a number of times when he said, "I don't recall," "I do not recall," "Oh, I don't remember that," "I don't remember that," and he would remember the stabbing, uh, and he would remember—you know—he would say, you know, he'd basically say, "Yeah, Gallagher stabbed this guy." Um, And then when asked, like, who else was there, oh, I I don't remember, you know, what did you do next? Um, He'd he'd be kind of waffly and and kind of jump around. And, you know, it it was really hard to find him all that credible, uh, for me at least.
0: Now, among the things Chief Gallagher was charged with was wrongfully posing for an unofficial photo with a human casualty. There were also allegations that Gallagher conducted his reenlistment ceremony over the dead terrorist. Paul described how that all went down in court.
1: The, the story goes that Gallagher stabbed the ISIS fighter, and then shortly thereafter, the, they held his reenlistment ceremony near the body or over the body. It's conflicting there, but anyway, the body was there, and so they did this reenlistment ceremony. And most of the platoon was present. They took a group photo together. Miller was also in the photo uh, among uh, other SEALs uh, pictured with the body. And he's asked, he's asked about some of those things with the reenlistment ceremony. And he says, you know, I don't remember or I don't recall. And then at one point, and, and this is the defense, asks him, what is the reenlistment oath? What's the oath of enlistment? you know, do you know the oath of enlistment? And he sits there on the stand and he's just struggling to figure out or remember what the oath of enlistment is, um, which is just about everybody can at least say the first few lines. Um,
0: Is it kind of like the national anthem where like, you might not know all the lyrics, but you could definitely start with, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, say, can you see? Like you would know the first stanza at least. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's He was just kind of struggling about it And he's like, ah, I, I can't, you know, he said something like, I can't, I just can't think of it right now. And, you know, then he's asked, Hey, do you have, you have memory problems? Is there some kind of, you know, medical condition that's hurting your memory? And he says, no, there's nothing like that. And it just struck me as like, it wasn't even a question about the specifics of Gallagher. It was just, you know, Hey, how's your memory? And, you know, you're a Navy chief. Um, he's on his second enlistment. He's no doubt heard the oath of enlistment at least twice now himself, uh, saying it, um, in addition to whoever else he's maybe seen Mm reenlist. Um, and it was just an example of like where his memory wasn't that great. And it made him look bad on the stand. And it just made him seem like, you know, his memory might be off.
0: There was other testimony that was really interesting, and it came from special operator first class Joshua Grafham.
1: So Grafham came in later. He's a he was a well, he was not a sniper, but he worked as a spotter for Gallagher. Um, quite often and he actually came in as a defense witness later on in the trial and so um basically the setup is the the government uh brought in a number of people including uh delay who i mentioned previously um and some other people that were basically would basically said um that Gallagher had shot at non-combatants. Uh, two specifically, he was charged with. The first is that he uh, fired at a young, uh, young civilian girl as she was walking along uh, the river. Um, another instance, they accused him of shooting at an old man, um, sort of in the same, like along the river. They were they were shooting across the Tigris. Um, towards the, the other side of Mosul. And a number of SEALs who were in, they were shooting from these two separate towers. So there was the North Tower and the South Tower. And in the South Tower were uh, SEALs who were testifying to seeing or hearing of shootings occurring that were happening at non combatants. Um, and it was coming from the North Tower. In the North Tower was Gallagher along with some other SEALs and so the government put up uh witnesses that were in the south tower they kind of started off um on a weak footing Hmm. they all admitted that they didn't see gallagher pull a trigger they didn't they weren't exactly with him they didn't see his target they were basically they would basically say you know i was behind my sniper rifle, and I was looking across the river, and I would see, I saw this old man drop, you know, with blood, and, you know, could basically tell it came from the North Tower, but again, that reasonable doubt thing of, there are other SEALs there, Gallagher's not the only person there, and you don't know, you know, whether he, in fact, pulled the trigger, so they, they all, all the sniper shooting incidents came from SEALs in the South Tower. Grafham, however, was in the North Tower, so he was a good witness for the defense to refute the South Tower allegations. So you have Seals saying he shot innocents, but they actually didn't see him do it specifically. They would either hear some radio chatter or you know, see the bullet trail, something like that, but they didn't actually witness Gallagher doing it. And then you had Grafham who testified to say, "I was Gallagher's spotter. He'd never shot at non-combatants. I was actually spotting for him in the incident with the old man, and that was a good kill. That was a good shot." The other thing to point out here, and this came up later on in the uh, in the trial, like right before the jury started deliberating, even the judge um, was he basically instructed the jury, like, "Hey, look, people." People here either were untruthful, I'm paraphrasing here, but people yeah. were untruthful or they straight out lied to you or they fudged the facts and it's up to you to decide who's credible or not. I mean even the even the prosecutor in closing arguments, was you know said this like hey nobody nobody really cares about an ISIS fighter. Um, you know, he's not a sympathetic figure and he definitely would have killed americans right before this incident but you know we don't we don't kill we don't kill people that are you know taken into our care you know we're better than them that was kind of his his closing argument
0: Okay, now let's add to even more confusion. Uh, before this went to the jury to deliberate, um, it got even weirder. Uh, there was another part where somebody actually, like, straight up took the blame for killing the ISIS fighter, who was, again, on the ground, struggling to breathe. There was a cricket put into his neck, which is, you know, that tube or whatever that they might put into, put into the trachea, you know, to allow them to breathe uh, through their right. neck. Um, while all that's going on, some other person steps up and says, nope, it wasn't Gallagher at all. It was totally me. And like you'd mentioned uh, about the petty officer who had immunity, so did this gentleman. Talk to me about Special Operator First Class Corey Scott.
1: Yeah, so Corey Scott, uh, was a, he's, a, he's a medic in the platoon. He was working on the ISIS fighter.
0: So he would have been right next to Gallagher. He would have been right next to Gallagher on the ground.
1: Right. So, yeah. if you could picture like the ISIS fighters, if the ISIS fighter on the ground, you've got you had Gallagher to on on the left side of his head, and Scott was uh, right next to him, right behind his head, and doing all kinds of you know doing all the medical procedures, and, which were all justified, all medically necessary. That's what the prosecution's doctor testified to, and so they're working on him, giving him medical support. And they inserted a, they have a chest tube in, they did, um, they bandaged up his leg, they gave him ketamine to sedate him, and they inserted a crike uh, into his neck to help him with with breathing. Uh, The expert witness, the doctor, testified that he more than likely had what's called blast lung uh, right before he was captured. Uh, about an hour or so before he was in an airstrike uh, that killed pretty much all of his ISIS buddies, and he was the only survivor. And so they, they insert this crike in his neck, which allows him to breathe. And Corey Scott says two sort of incredible things. First thing is that he says, yes, Gallagher stabbed him. However, he didn't stab him in the neck. He stabbed him down into his Shoulder blade uh, in a downward motion, and the stabbing that wouldn't have killed him. Uh, so that's number one, hmm. the the, the curveball uh, Corey Scott throws to prosecution. The second thing is, he says he died of a f- asphyxiation, and if you're if you're listening closely, um, you would think that the the government's case, um, it's it's built on the fact. Or, or the allegation that Gallagher stabbed the ISIS fighter to death. The stabbing is what caused his death. What Corey Scott said was that the the stabbing did not cause the death. I caused the death because I asphyxiated him by holding his crike breathing tube until he died. And mm. he said he did this to, it, it really, it doesn't, it's sort of strange credulity as far as his reasoning for why he did it. But he said, hey, uh, all these Iraqis were around. They're accused of war crimes. I wanted to kill this guy to keep him out of his or, you know, take him out of his misery because I knew the Iraqis were going to take him and torture him, Um, which doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. But that's what he, threw the prosecution, sort of a huge, huge curveball. They were shocked, as were pretty much everybody. You know, it was sort of the prosecution immediately, you know, accused him of lying. Um, You know, you guys didn't tell us this. You didn't tell us this before. You never mentioned this before. And, you know, that may be the case that he did lie in the stand. The problem is that it really looks bad for the government when your own witness, you start going after your own witness that you present to in front of a jury.
0: Um, It's amazing that. He was the prosecution's case. That's what I couldn't believe. Because to just hear you tell the story, it sounds like a uh, brilliant defense move. But no, okay. he was supposed to be on the stand, making Gallagher look even more guilty, and somehow agreed that yeah, he stabbed him all right, but it was me, and I put my thumb over the end of the air tube, and boom, you know. Um, yeah. And, and 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 like you'd said, it, it kind of a so, sort of a morose situation there in that even that act was done out of some sort of weird sick empathy because, of course, you know, as has been widely reported, that Iraqi forces are no strangers to war crimes. And in fact, frequently, you know, things like torture and rape and murder of prisoners happens on their watch. So was he also the one who threatened to burn down the courtroom? Who was that? I remember there's another like soundbite that came out of the coverage and somebody was like, I'll burn this place to the ground. Or do you recall what that exchange was about?
1: That was uh, that was a different uh, seal. Uh, his name was Dalton Tolbert. Um, so this this kind of comes from there was this just kind of going towards the defense's case. If you look at the government's case, their case is that you know uh, Gallagher is a war criminal. He stabbed this guy. He did all these things, and then the defense basically tried to paint all his accusers as this sort of ticked off seals that didn't like their leader and they started off with petty um petty things to complain about him and it just escalated and escalated that's kind of how they they kind of made their their case and and try to chip at the chip away at at the the witnesses and the main witnesses were in this text message thread uh on whatsapp that came out during testimony in the court um, and this was called the sewing circle. That's what they named it. And, you know, it was basically, it was a talk about the case, talk about, uh, what's going on in the unit and just BS, you know, among friends, text message thread. So keep in mind that you had probably thousands of messages exchanged, ex- exchanged here. And, you know, if, someone were to grab my text messages or your text messages, you'll f- probably find something you can pull out that's really out of context and makes, makes us look terrible. Um, and so with that in mind, the defense pulled out a number of sort of uh, less than helpful quotes from these text messages, one of which was – or some of them were from Dalton Tolbert. Tulbert was a sniper in the platoon. He was in the South Tower, as I mentioned, and he said a number of things that were not very friendly towards the lawyers in the case, the judge in the case. Um, he was clearly very frustrated with uh, with uh, what was going on and, and you know why the the case kept getting delayed. He was he was getting pretty mad about it. So at one point he says he says he would quote burn this mother courtroom to the ground which uh which was quoted uh, quite a few times in in the courtroom and that was very most likely a uh, a joke you know that's kind of taken out of context but it didn't look too good for him as a witness they brought up other text messages from Tolbert like um uh, I don't know if you want me to quote right now (laughs) Um, sure sure man you're gonna have to bleep me. Um, <laughs> so in one in one text message, he said, "Quote: What a f***ing joke! Somebody fire this ass judge. Whose f***ing courtroom is this? Time to man the f*** up." F***s. End quote.
0: <laughs> oh Jesus!
1: Um, and that was that was a quote that was read by the defense attorney. You know, right with the judge right there. Uh, so you know, probably not, didn't make him look too good on the stand.
0: And it almost kind of sounds like there was enough dirt on virtually everybody that it would have been near impossible to come out with, like, a witness that seemed lily white and pure, because they all talk shit, and they all had some skeletons in their closet. No, you know, no pun intended, but... um Do you feel do you feel after hearing from all these guys, both prosecution and defense, do you feel there's a subculture within special operations community that's just dark, dangerous and frankly, disturbing?
1: Um, I don't know if I can speak to the special operations community as a whole. I will say it was really fascinating um, just going back to the skeletons in the closet um there were some things that came out in this in this trial that it was it was like um it was like I had this picture in my head of of, of like of like seals gone wild <laughs> like like a video like a video you'd sell on late night television. Earlier on in the trial, one of the lieutenants in the platoon um, um, testified that, oh yes, we had a bar at our compound in Iraq. Um, uh, and I, I, I've I saw a picture of the bar. They had like, they had Christmas lights strung up and they had a full like wooden real looking bar and they had a DJ, like, Turntable thing set up, and this lieutenant was on the turntable, and they're drinking, they're drinking booze, and listening to music, and you're in Mosul, in the middle of a war zone. I mean, I don't know how. I don't know if that's normal for SEAL units. Maybe it, maybe it is. I don't know. But like, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> When I was on deployment to Afghanistan, we, you know, we had sort of some morale boosting, you know, watch a movie or something. But, uh, you know, I don't remember setting up a bar or anything like that. So that was like that was kind of strange. There was another thing that came out with um, they kind of touched on it, but they didn't get it all in. But there were some questions about beer cans or or alcohol bottles being left inside of a Humvee. and the implication was that somebody uh, out on patrol was drinking booze while they're outside the wire. Um, that came out during um, Miller's cross examination.
0: Again, um, again, a witness for the prosecution. <laughs> right? Yeah. Jesus. So,
1: well, the defense, the defense was going after Miller, and they're like, you know, were you ever questioned about booze being left on the inside the Humvee? Um, you know, and he would kind of, he was kind of waffling and it's like, oh, um, you know, oh, I I don't remember. And it's like, well, you were the lead petty officer. This is your Humvee, right? Yes. It's like, but you don't know who was drinking booze. Oh, I don't recall.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, after enough booze, you might not remember who the hell left the beer cans in the Humvee from last night. Wow. Yeah, and, and as we watched it wrap up, uh, you know, you covered it till the very end. And it uh, goes without say that the jury in the military trial of Navy SEAL Chief Eddie Gallagher has found him not guilty of premeditated murder and attempted murder during the deployment. But he was found guilty of something. Talk to me about that.
1: He was found guilty of unlawfully posing with a corpse, which was uh, stemmed from the photos he took of himself with the ISIS fighter. Um, there are two photos that were shown in, in court. Um, uh, one of them is Gallagher. He's, um, actually both, both, I believe they he was wearing a, he was wearing a ball cap. He's kneeling down, um, with the ISIS fighter. Um, in one, he has his knife out kind of close to the guy's neck and he's holding his head up and there are two seals in full kit, behind him um in one. He texted this photo to a friend of his, um, which the prosecutors um mentioned quite frequently. And and then another one, um, similar pose from Gallagher, and then you had about um ten or eleven other SEALs um standing around him and they just took a group photo together. And that is what um, what he was ultimately convicted of is the photo. I mean, the defense in that, in that instance, they didn't have, they didn't have a, they didn't really have a defense of like, he didn't do it. Like it was very obvious that he posed for the photo. The photo was shown in court. Um, So it would have been really hard for a jury to say, you know, not guilty on that one. Um, But that's really all that they had as far as the you know the outcome was was that photo charge
0: well I suppose there's more questions to answer and we'll get into those another time uh, my main question is you know is this going to be a movie and uh, you and I probably don't know the answer to that but it certainly sounds like it could be um, at the end of our last podcast I asked you if you felt as a marine that had been through some combat if there was like an a like a whittling down of your moral compass Like, do you feel after you see violence and violence and violence so much, is it harder to make the right decision? Is it tougher to make those judgment calls or to even be respectful after you've seen the horrors of war? Um, I wanted to ask you similarly, while we've seen this case through the modern lens and we're modern media journalists, you and I, you know, we get to see pictures. Do you think back in World War II before there were cell phones, do you think, in even in parts of Nam and through the horrors that you know our fellow veterans went through in other eras, do you think there were situations like this that just never got reported, and never were known because it was, you know, lack of technology? And do you think this is something that we'll never get rid of as long as there's war and human conflict?
1: I think there's there's no doubt that there was plenty plenty of war crimes happening. Um, that went unreported, um, unprosecuted in, in war's past. Um, and I think that'll happen. That'll happen as long as there's war. Um, that's just, you know, war is a terrible thing and, and, um, people do absolutely inhumane and, and just incredibly awful things in war. I think in the future, as there's more technology on the battlefield, I mean, these SEALs all have their cell phones in Iraq, which is kind of uh, crazy to think about. Um, definitely not something that you know, service members were having 10, 20 years ago on the battlefield. They now have cell phones and they can text their buddies back home. And so if there's a war crime in the future, uh, I think the technology to report it is getting better and better. And so I think if these do happen, um, these things do happen uh, again. You know, people stand up for what's right and want to report it. They're going to have the technology and the tools to do it. But I think this case, as far as the Navy is concerned, it really um, it puts a dent in junior sailors, at least, coming forward in the future. You know, you had a number of SEAL witnesses who testified to the allegations in the Gallagher case and ultimately the jury decided against them and decided they were not they didn't they didn't prove it they didn't tell me the truth and so you have to think about that and think like you know maybe maybe the defense is right here maybe they were making this up and they all colluded together to you know trump up a charge against Gallagher but maybe they weren't Um, maybe they weren't and they lost in the end. And so if they weren't, how does that look? If you're going to be a witness in the future, you know, I don't know. I don't know how, how you get over that. Mm. So that's just a, that's a challenging question here. That's that I think, uh, the Navy will probably be the Navy and and the U S military will be dealing with for quite a while.
0: Right on. And it's a challenging case to cover, which is why I'm glad you were there to do it for us. Paul Zoldra from Task and Purpose. sounds to me like we just kind of summed up the irony of war. That even with the technology we have today and the ability to report such things, this case proves that reporting them and actually following through is going to be arguably way more difficult going forward. You are Paul Zoldra from TaskAndPurpose.com. I am Phil Briggs from ConnectingVets.com. And I really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for taking me behind the scenes of the story.
1: Thank you so much. It's good to talk to you again.